Welcome to the FemStrong Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Riccolo. I'm a female business owner living in Reno, Nevada. I own a gym called Wolf Valley Performance with my business partner slash life partner slash boyfriend, Donnie, and we have two dogs together. But enough about me. This show is all about you. With this show, we hope to teach you incredible, life-changing things about your body, your mind, adventures, all the things, ladies. Our goal is to bring you topics that are not only going to educate you about you, but that will also empower you to take on the life that you want. We hope this show not only brings you knowledge and fascinating information, but also some concrete tools that you can implement in your life to create positive changes where you want to. We're going to learn some incredible things that we women just aren't taught most of the time from some absolutely phenomenal women doing phenomenal things. So, This show is for you and about you. I'm just your host. I'm just the one asking the questions to bring you knowledge and well-informed guests to help you explore yourself. I can't wait to get to know you. I can't wait for you to get to know you better via the FemStrong podcast. So let's get to it. What is up, FemStrong crew? Welcome back to the show. Stacy here. In today's episode, I got to hang out with Dr. Mandy Milliquette again. She is a naturopathic doctor, and you might remember her from the episode we did pretty recently where we talked about naturopathic medicine and all of that stuff, how it compares to the medicine that we're used to, conventional medicine, and yas. That was a great episode. If you haven't checked it out, chickity check it out. Today, though... Mandy and I talk about what she does a lot in her practice, which is working with the female athlete. So we talk about how the female athlete and how the female physiology is different from male physiology and male performance. And we talk about how to maximize your performance, how to feel better, and how to really take the knowledge about your cycle and use that knowledge as your power to take your performance and make it better and also take how you feel and make it better. We talk about some things that might prevent you from knowing how to implement that knowledge. And then we talk about um, obviously the different phases of our cycle and get into some of those details. So obviously a little over an hour is not enough to cover all of that because there's so much information So we also talk about Mandy's 12-week course for women, and it's coming up pretty soon. It launches in the end of November, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's a virtual course, and it will meet once weekly with lessons and, I assume, homework. Honestly, I didn't ask if there's homework, but I assume you're going to have to, you know, do some stuff. So that is also on the table as an option for you to learn even more about this stuff. But today's episode, we cover a lot and you'll definitely learn plenty of things to apply just in today's episode. But if you're listening to this and you think, oh my gosh, I want more answers. I need to know a whole lot more and about how this applies to me personally, then that 12 week course is dope and you can definitely sign up for it no matter where you live. So let's get to it. Here is Mandy and me talking about all the things. 
Good morning, Mandy. Good morning, Stacy. Welcome back to the FemStrong Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. Of course. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to dive more into this topic because I feel like it's going to be super, super cool. It is super cool. <laughs> um, so before we really get into the nitty gritty about it, let's talk about you a little bit. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your personal athletic background and how you got started working with female athletes specifically? Yeah, so I've been an athlete my whole life. Um, I started at a very young age with gymnastics and soccer and then basically played all the sports that I could in school and then some outside of school. Um, the, The two sports I took the furthest were rugby and basketball. So I played varsity basketball and club rugby in the States. Um, And so that is what got me interested in athletes, not just female athletes, but male and female. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until until about two years ago, I started focusing a little bit more on female athletes. And I just started reading things um, in research. I read a couple books that our physiology is a lot different than males Mm -hmm. and and our anatomy is a lot different so you can't you can't always take the advice for male athletes and apply it to female athletes which when you're when you're reading research or even even in school all the research we talk about especially in in fitness is on males Mm -hmm. and like this is great because it's on a human and not on a rat but (laughs) but I'm starting to think that maybe research on a female rat is better than research done on a male human when oh (laughs) that's funny because I was actually just about to make a joke I was gonna say do you think research is better for us on rats or men (laughs) or on males but you actually do think that female rat research might be more relevant to female humans that was a joke I don't know (laughs) I was like wow that's so exciting crazy I mean other animals do have a cycle but they don't necessarily have periods this is actually little side note but something cool that I learned while reading this so so human human females are one of the only species that have a bleed every month and it's because so other animals will build up the uterine lining but then their body it's not thick enough and their body can reabsorb all of it but for humans because our the little fetuses not so little are so metabolically demanding that we require building up a much thicker lining and it's too much for our body to reabsorb all of it so so one third of it is shed every month so two-thirds of it are reabsorbed wow I had no idea that we didn't shed I just assumed like oh you shed your lining that's what your period is that you shed all of it but you said the body reabsorbs two-thirds and you shed one third Mm mm-hmm bonkers yeah that's amazing and then also for some reason all I can think about now is dogs that dogs also have a period so their fetuses must also be very demanding yes those puppies (laughs) so cute (laughs) I guess if you're going to carry a litter of puppies that's kind of demanding (laughs) as well yeah those poor dogs Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's great so you said that you did rugby in the states Yeah, so I did my undergrad degree in Windsor, Ontario, which is right across the border from Detroit, Michigan. And so I did play, I wanted to play rugby, but they didn't have a varsity team. And so I played basketball for one year, which I love basketball. 
um, super passionate about it, but I love rugby more. (laughs) So after I played one year of basketball and then I discovered a team in Detroit, that was a club team and you could have three, I believe it was three Canadians on the team. Cool. So yeah, so I would just drive across the border three times a week and played division one rugby for Detroit. How fun. It was super fun. That's so cool. That's super cool that that's even an option. I didn't realize you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up on a border city as well. So yeah, I know how easy it is just to hop over the river. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Completely unrelated to what we're talking about. But my grandparents used to live in Idaho, like very northern Idaho. Mm -hmm. And so when we would go visit them, we'd just like pop on over to Canada. And it was no big deal. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just right there. So kind of right on the border too. Yeah. And I had what's called a Nexus Pass, which is like more hardcore than a passport. And it just allows you to go in a special lane when you're crossing the border. So you don't have to wait in in the line. Nice. Sometimes there's a line for that lane, but rarely. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. So you said that you got into working specifically with female athletes just in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, what kind of, what was the tipping point there? Kind of what led you to that? Um, well, I had just completed a bodybuilding competition and mm-hmm. I did it. The, the diet I used to do that was ketogenic. And I had read, read a ton of research and articles, books on the keto diet. And I was like, wow, there's like a lot of evidence to support this. Little did I know that most of that is on males. Yeah. Um, And so I did notice a lot of benefits from doing that. And I had done another bodybuilding competition two years prior, not Mm -hmm. keto, and found it a lot more difficult and hard on my hormones. Um, So with keto, it wasn't as hard on my hormones, so I thought, (laughs) but I didn't have a period for eight months. Um, And then, so then I started to kind of like question it being different for females versus males. Yeah. Um, I came across the book Roar by Dr. Stacey Sims. I don't, I don't know if you've <laughs> you yes. like that name. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, I've heard of her. <laughs> yeah. I also so, like the name. <laughs> have you read that book? I have not read the book, but it's on my list, actually. And especially more so from like this podcast topic. And I've been, um, looking at her a little bit more another mm-hmm. of my guests has mentioned her as well mm-hmm. and when we started doing the femstrong seminars where we like talk about the pelvic floor stuff and mm-hmm. um just some of the training differences like in the gym training differences for men and women um i came across a little bit of her stuff but um no she's actually next on my list of like digging into some of some of her content Yeah. So her book, it's more focused on endurance athletics for females and the difference there. She -hmm. does talk about strength a little bit, but, um, as a CrossFitter myself and rugby, it's a little bit more of like a power sport. So I wanted to dive into the research, um, regarding the difference between females and males with strength building. And Mm -hmm. so I did like via PubMed searches, legitimately reading articles not just a book which not to say that the stuff she's writing about is incredible but I think you always need to 
question things no matter who that right and and go to the source yeah yeah um and so yeah I just started reading articles and applying it to myself um so I haven't had that much time to experiment with this because I just had a baby so I I I would say I had like maybe five or six months of implementing the things I was reading and then I got pregnant Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um it's and I mean six months seems like a long time but that's only six cycles right so it's not Mm -hmm. doesn't give you a lot of time to experiment Mm -hmm. but yeah so I just started reading research and just found it so interesting I mean reading research is part of my job but I I struggle with it it's so dry um with other topics, even topics that I think I'm passionate about, but reading all the articles about female physiology and female athletes and strength, I would read every single word and be like, this is so cool. Like I wanted to know everything (laughs) about the study, like the methods, like all the, all the results, all the numbers. I thought it was so interesting. All the, all the articles I've read, they Mm -hmm. have been super intriguing to me and I I like can't put them down which is super nerdy to say (laughs) journal articles so cool (laughs) I think Um, it is so cool I feel like lately I uh I've been using like the word nerd is like this massive compliment I'm like and I feel like I need to make sure people understand that but like yo anyone if I've recently called you a nerd I'm so fond of that about you (laughs) it's super cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's great. That's super cool, nerdy. So you started reading, um, so you kind of started with the Roar book, but you realized it wasn't like super pertinent to you specifically. So then you went more towards the research. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, I I think so. I mean, I love endurance things as well. I've ran a marathon. I've been like running, cross-country running track was one of the sports that I did growing up. And I basically, I love any kind of fitness. (laughs) So I did find that really interesting and applicable to me but wanted to know more about strength building because I would say I'm genetically better at endurance sports than building muscles I'm like Mm -hmm. how can I utilize my hormones to be as strong as I can be that's great yeah super Um, cool and through that research a colleague of mine and I built a a 12-week program to run people through, run women through how to utilize their hormones. Right. Which is fantastic. Cause that gives mm-hmm. you plenty of time to not only get them a bunch of information, but also work, work with them through a couple of cycles too. So they yes. can implement. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, and then I don't know that we touched on this as much when you talked about your personal athletic background, but you, you also currently do CrossFit. Um, or you well, did do cross. I did. Yeah, I've, yeah, I did it for eight years. I yes. stopped, um, like halfway through my pregnancy. Yeah. Um, I mean, and this is this is not to say that you can't do CrossFit when you're pregnant because you absolutely can. I just have a lot of ligament laxity, and then that laxity gets worse. Right. Not necessarily worse, but <laughs> exaggerated <laughs> right. during pregnancy. And yeah. so there's a lot that I couldn't do. I still would implement that those types of workouts but just at my home gym on my own plus it was quarantine when I was pregnant so across the gyms weren't open anyway lots of factors going Um, on and then now I 
am three and a half months postpartum and I'm just starting to feel comfortable squatting and running and and doing more high impact activities and not ready for CrossFit because these movements take a lot of focus for me to be engaging my pelvic floor properly and engaging my core properly. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, not back yet, but I would love to. Wonderful. Yeah. So when you said though, that you were starting to implement some of the stuff you were reading in the research, Mm -hmm. um, is CrossFit what you were primarily doing at that time? Yes. Got it. Yeah. Cool. 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 All right. Sweet. So, um, obviously we've been talking about, there's a lot of differences between males and females, um, Mm -hmm. period. Um, but also, in terms of like athletics and performance. Um, so can you dig into some of um, the basics for us? So what are the important things that female athletes should understand for us to maximize our performance? I think one of the biggest things is that males have a circadian rhythm. Well, we all have circadian rhythms. And what that is, is our 24 hour hormone fluctuations. So males only have a circadian rhythm. Females have a circadian rhythm and an infradian rhythm, which is the monthly hormone cycle. And so we as females need to nurture both of those, both of those like kind of hormone clocks. So that's a big, big difference because men can do the same thing day in and day out and just be happy and be supporting their hormones that way. females not so much ours yes we need to do consider that 24-hour clock but we also need to consider our monthly clock Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's one um there's this could be a long list (laughs) another (laughs) one I would say that's really important is our anatomical differences so with for females we have a bigger Q angle it's called so the hip to knee angle because our hips are bigger to accommodate for a baby and this makes us a lot more prone to knee injuries and so we need to consider that when we're doing sports especially um, sports like soccer or basketball where you're cutting and doing unpredictable Mm -hmm. movements we need to constantly be working on our glute strength and uh, recognize that that muscle is going to protect our knees. Um, I think the stat is females are eight times more likely to have an ACL. Bonkers. And honestly, even just in like observation of like my friends, like how many of my friends do I know that did soccer that tore their ACL? A lot. I tore my ACL. There you are. You're another one. (laughs) Mine mine was rugby. (laughs) There you go. But yeah, I I wish I had this knowledge back Mm -hmm. then. Yeah. To be like strengthening my glutes as much as possible Mm -hmm. and and like working on drills that are really sport specific um and and then also being more in tune with my cycle because we are more likely to have a ligament injury the first during the follicular phase during that first half of our cycle when estrogen is a more dominant hormone um which that's another difference so as females we have a lot more estrogen in our body. Males have estrogen too, but estrogen is beneficial for building muscle, but it's not beneficial for connective tissue. And it's just, so Mm -hmm. when our estrogen is high, we have a lot of cell turnover. Again, great for building muscle, but we don't want to have lots of turnover in our connective tissue when we're doing these sports. So 
just something to consider. And these, this is just based on observational studies um, that a lot of ACL injuries are happening when estrogen is high. Like there is a correlation there. So correlation doesn't equal causation, but we know that estrogen does promote that turnover. So that's um, just needs to be considered like, okay, I'm at this point in my cycle. Um, I may be more prone to injuries, really important to be warming up my glutes before I play soccer. Right. Um, that, and that mm-hmm. makes sense. And I really like that, like real, real world application of it of like, okay, what does this mean when I'm in that phase of my cycle? It mm-hmm. means make sure you're warming up well and activating. Yeah. And I think that's important to know is that we, just because we have this, these hormone fluctuations over the course of a month, doesn't mean we aren't capable of doing whatever we want, whenever we want. Amen. At the point of our cycle. Mm-hmm. It just, I think we as females need to be a lot more educated on how we're going to feel at different points and, and precautions that we need to take. Mm-hmm. And we're not, well, we're not educated. I mean, there's not a ton of research on this yet. We're just kind of at the tip of the iceberg, but I think it's, you know, the body of, of evidence is growing really quickly. Mm-hmm. It just needs to get to the masses. Exactly. I agree. And it's, it's super exciting to be like at the tip of the iceberg, you know, like we're figuring this stuff out and we get to, we get to start to like learn it and implement it. And it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have people like you who want to read every word of the research. <laughs> yeah. That... So you mm-hmm. can give us the boiled down application. Yeah. I feel like this has become my, my life's work now. <laughs> I love it. I think that's so great. And I mean, how indicative of the fact that it is something that like you're passionate about that you do want to read every word of the research, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. I think that is an indication that you're in your zone, right? Yeah. And I honestly good. feel like all of the things in my life have prepared me for this. Like yeah. I've been an athlete, I have, um, you know, being a naturopathic doctor and that understanding of hormones and physiology and nutrients. I did kinesiology for my undergrad. So also have a pretty good understanding of biomechanics and just implementing yeah. all of it into female athletes. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. awesome. So so far we've said, so the, the basic things that you think women should know, we'll do a quick recap and then I'll let you continue on your list. Cause you said it could be a, a long one, um, <laughs> which I'm, I'm here for it. Keep them coming. Um, so you talked about how men just have a circadian rhythm, which we women also have, but we also have another rhythm, which is called infradian infradian rhythm. So that's number one. So our different rhythms, um, and then number two, you talked about the, the Q angle, so hip to knee angle. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like I'm missing one. I feel like you said one more in there. Um, maybe well, maybe. just along with Q angle, our susceptibility to injury. Perfect. During Obviously, our, our hormones are different in that right. males are very steady and ours change over the course of the month. And mm-hmm. any even at any point in our cycle, we're going to have more estrogen roaming around compared to Right. Our male counterparts. That makes sense. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, are there any other of the basics you want to hit on? 
Um, I guess recovery. So recovery is also quite different Mm -hmm. for females compared to males. So with males, they have a much bigger window of like when they can implement recovery tactics, like getting protein in, getting carbs, whereas females, our window is a lot shorter. Oh, really? And also the way our, our blood flow is post-workout is, is different. So ours will typically, um, we're not as good at regulating our temperature. So our blood flow is pretty applicable (laughs) to my life. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny that, you know, like we're research is like discovering these things, but you know, reading it as a female, you're like, well, did we need to do a study on that? Like I could, I could have told you that. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so our blood flow is much different than males post-workout. So males, their blood flow is still going to their muscles for a a while after. Um, Whereas females, our blood flow will actually go from our muscles to our skin to regulate temperature. Which is not, we want our, our blood flow to still be going to our muscles to repair the damage that we purposely did to you know, make it stronger. Yes. So there's a few different things that we can do to, to shunt blood flow, keep it going to our muscles. So okay. doing a cool down, way more critical for females than males. Just something super easy, like a light jog um, on a bike just, you know, keeping your muscles moving and keeping the blood flow going to them, um, using like an, an ice bath again to like push. So when we do an ice bath or cold compress, anything like that, um, our body will prioritize blood flow to our core to keep, to keep it warm. So again, we're shunting the blood flow from our skin to our, to our muscles, which we okay. want to do. And again, there is research to support that. So <laughs> most of us, have tried ice baths at some point in our lives some of us like it some of us, no there's other ways other reasons why you would want to do an ice bath but the research is starting to show that it's not as beneficial as we once thought but again that research is on males okay mm-hmm. crazy yeah that's super cool it's it's fun to to chat about like that I've always been a stickler for like cool downs like I feel like oftentimes in CrossFit, like the class times like run right into each other. And so it's very common to be like 10 more seconds, three, two, one time. Good job, everyone. Have a good day. Next class, come over. Yeah. And I've always like been very particular about like getting some kind of assigned cool down in because you can Mm -hmm. tell people all the time, make sure you cool down. Mm -hmm. But unless it's part of the class, like, or you're actively telling them to do it. Most of them are just gonna be like, deuces, bye. I'm yeah. not doing that. Which isn't as detrimental to the male athletes, but the female right. athletes in your class need to be. Right. And that's so interesting to hear too. And it's super mm-hmm. cool. So it's, it's nice to have that reinforcing, like, cool. At least for my females, I yeah. feel <laughs> reinforced, reinforced by the data. Mm-hmm. I like it. Cool. Go on. Uh, I think those are the the most important ones, but I think the takeaway is that our, having a our infradian rhythm or like being a female having an active menstrual cycle is not a hindrance to mm-hmm. your athletic performance. Um, I see just like comments being made that attitude like oh I'm on my period and blah 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 I'm PMSing all this stuff. 
but it doesn't have to be that way if you understand your cycle and understand um, the benefits of each phase of your cycle. Mm-hmm. It's actually cool to have a cycle and get this hormone report card every month, which is your period. Um, actually, it's considered, the period is considered a fifth vital sign now. I forget the year that was determined, but <laughs> yeah, so vital signs for just for your listeners, there's t- classically four temperature, heart rate, um, blood pressure and respiratory rate and period is the fifth one for females. And it really does give you a ton of information about what's going on with your hormones. And that's information that a male doesn't get, you know, like if there's something going on with their hormones, it's going to take them a lot longer to figure that out. Whereas for us, we would figure it out during the month. Yeah, that's bonkers. So what are, what are some signs that like, how can we read our period report card? Okay, well, um, (laughs) it's not the easiest is to analyze your menstrual fluid. I mean, menstrual fluid is really a more appropriate title than blood because it's not just blood. Uh Um, There's other other things in there, but it should. So your period should come without pain, without any crazy symptoms. Um, It should be around 60 mils. It should not have any big clots. Um, It should be red. So again, not, it's okay for it to be like dried or brown near the end. You want it to be like a nice bright red color and it should be regular. So every, it doesn't need to be the textbook 28 days, but you know, 25 to to 35 in that range Mm -hmm. um, every month. And and then ideally you're ovulating again, like not necessarily textbook day 14, but there's ways that you can monitor your ovulation as well. So monitoring your cervical fluid over the course of the whole month that mm-hmm. that can take a little bit more education. But I, again, I think that's something that females need to know because a lot of us don't know that cervical fluid is normal and sometimes think we have yeast infection every month. <laughs> it's like, nope, that's, you know, it's normal to have this kind of discharge at this point in the month. And this right. is what it means. Um, so yeah, the easiest way to, to assess your hormones is through your period, but to get you in, into even more detail, assessing your cervical fluid over the course of the whole month and two monitoring your mood monitoring your appetite monitoring your cravings monitoring your sex drive like there's all these things that when you pay attention to them are typically if your if your hormones are in a good place um they just flow in a cyclical manner and so you can know exactly where you are in your cycle by by those things as well to those yeah right and I know they have like apps that are great for like I have one that's golly I don't even remember what it's called I think it's called like my period tracker or something Mm -hmm. um and they have a paid version that's a lot easier to use but who doesn't pay for the paid version me um (laughs) (laughs) but it's still really effective you can still make notes and you can Mm -hmm. they have cool little emojis for like how did I feel this day and Mm -hmm. did I have cravings if I did what were they was it salty sweet stuff like that um so those are cool do you uh, recommend using one of those 
Yeah, apps are great. The only thing is often they don't explain what those mean. So you're putting in all this information, but you're not told like, okay, right. every month at this time, you're feeling this way. And this is probably why. And an app, I mean, they're only so smart, right? Like they're not going to be able to figure figure that out and put all the pieces together for you. For um, sure. But as we talked about last time, like you need to be your own doctor in a sense and no one's going to know your body better than you. And of course, working with a healthcare professional can help you put those pieces together and figure out why you're feeling the way you're feeling certain times of the month. And sometimes it's not anything concerning, but sometimes it is. Like if you are getting really depressed or really anxious every single month, the week before your period, well, that's not normal. That's not healthy. There is, you know, that means something and there's something you can do about it. If you're like a little bit off, not the end of the world and and you know you can recognize like oh I'm grumpy today because this is where I am in my cycle or maybe not maybe grumpy is not the right word but I'm not as patient as usual or whatever whatever it may be right but noticing those things for for you and starting to correlate them with where you are in your cycle Mm -hmm. for sure and then is that all stuff that you kind of dive deeper into in your 12-week course that you do yeah we go into Mm -hmm. a ton of detail um, yeah. about so breaking the cycle into four phases and and talking about each one in a lot of detail from all the perspectives like this is how your cervical fluid is going to be at this time of the month this is your cervical position at this time of the month this is yeah. um you know how fitness is probably going to feel this is how your appetite is more likely going to be and here's how to accommodate these changes yeah mm-hmm. that's amazing so very brief overview. Can you tell us what the four phases are? Yeah. So menstrual, which is when you're bleeding and usually, so, so classically when we're counting the days of our cycle, day one is the first day of our period. If you learn the hormone fluctuations, it makes more sense that that would be the end of our cycle, but that's a bit more tricky to do. So, you know, just to keep it consistent, day one of your cycle is the first day of bleeding and that bleeding. So, you know, five to seven days would be considered the menstrual phase. Um, then we move into follicular as our body is building up lining, um, working on releasing an egg. So next phase, ovulation is the third phase. That one's the shortest 24 to 48 hours and that's when our body is releasing an egg um, from our ovaries and then the luteal phase which is the longest phase of the cycle and that's post ovulation until uh, the day before your period comes again got it Mm -hmm. cool yeah and so uh, I mean most of us have seen the kind of hormone chart where our hormones are lowest at a very low level, most similar to a male's during the menstrual phase. And then the estrogen gradually builds. Estrogen is the dominant hormone of the menstrual and follicular phases. Our hormones spike with ovulation um, and then they'll drop a tiny bit. And then progesterone is the dominant hormone of the luteal phase. Mm -hmm. Cool. So is there a particular phase in which we're going to notice performance comes a little more naturally where we're going to like feel the best in the gym. 
yeah so the first usually on your period which Mm -hmm. is shocking to to a lot of women to hear um, follicular phase and ovulation ovulation can be different person to person like I know some of my patients get notice a bit of an energy dip at that time but more likely you're going to feel really good like if you're going to go for a PR do it during ovulation Uh, we do get a bit of a testosterone spike at the time as well which can be beneficial cool Mm -hmm. Um, but estrogen as I mentioned before is very helpful for us for building muscle and we recover a lot quicker during the first half of our cycle so you can do you can do a lot more workouts in a week and feel really good. But if you do, were to do the same amount of workouts at the same intensity in the luteal phase, you probably mm-hmm. wouldn't feel as good. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I feel like that's such, such important information for women to have, because I feel like women really like, man, we can speak really negatively to ourselves, period. But especially about that, like, like, man, normally I feel or like two weeks ago, I felt so good doing this many workouts in a week. And like, it was going so well for me. I felt great. And this week I just feel like run down and, and we kind of like poo poo ourselves for that. Uh-huh. But really it just makes so much sense physiologically. Like, no, it's not in your brain. No, it's not like your like level of motivation or like, it's not like you're doing anything wrong. It's just physiologically. Yes. That's what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's super cool. It is. And there is, there's things you can do to accommodate for that. You know, if you're, Mm -hmm. if you have a coach, you're not going to be like, "Mm, excuse me, coach, I'm in the luteal phase of my cycle. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) So what? (laughs) maybe one day we'll get to that point, but we're not there yet. So then what (laughs) can you do? Or if you're, if you're on a team, um, you're not going to be like, well, I'm at this phase of my cycle, so I can't participate in practice today. So like I said before, you can do anything at any point of your cycle, but you may, the things that you can control elsewhere in your life, do those in conjunction with your cycle. So if you know recovery um, isn't as, as good or as quick during the luteal phase, then you put more emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. You know, really critical that you're doing your cool down and maybe you do an ice bath and maybe you do um, yoga or like just a mobility work on top of what you are normally doing. And maybe you don't schedule as many social activities. And if you have the option, maybe you don't do as many work events or have major work projects at that time so that you're able to rest a little bit more to accommodate for having to work out every day. Yeah, that's great. I really love that. Just like kind of moving things around a little bit to accommodate when you understand your cycle. Mm -hmm. And then you give yourself the, the, the tools that you need to be successful. Exactly. That's cool. Um, oh, shoot. There was something really excited. I was really excited to ask you. Oh, oh, I think I remembered. Okay. <laughs> so is, is there any validity to like, so a lot of times women will say like, oh, we've been like hanging out in this friend group for so long. Now our cycles are all matching up and like they're matching up. Heather, who's the dominant one, Heather's arbitrary. It's not a real person, but like, is there any validity to that? Like do women's cycles actually sync with each other or is that just a lie? Well, apparently yes. And 
I I mean, I haven't read any like RCTs on this, but, <laughs> but just, um, you know, studying traditional medicine, which is something that we study in naturopathic medical school. Classically, female hormones will, it will actually align with the lunar cycle, which you may have heard about before or not. Okay. <laughs> so um, new moon to full moon, usually will our follicular phase will line up with that and then full moon to new moon is will line up with our luteal phase so we're ovulating when it's a full moon (laughs) and and (laughs) i will yeah i mean it sounds a little like woo woo but that's that's like how in tune with nature females are is that our our hormone cycles match the lunar cycle and so it's not necessarily that we're matching up with each other it's that we're all matching up more likely with the lunar cycle amazing mm-hmm. that's really cool yeah fun that was mostly just out of curiosity that I wanted to know and that's even cooler than I thought it was gonna be <laughs> is your mind blown <laughs> right now <laughs> yep a little bit yeah I will actually and my colleagues will do this too. We'll use the lunar cycle for when we're treating patients with amenorrhea. So amenorrhea is when you don't have, you haven't had a period for X amount of mount, months or yeah, years, whatever. And we will, we're trying, we're working on getting their cycle back and we're trying to get them to do things at certain times of their cycle, but they don't have, they don't really know where in their cycle they are. Or they don't have a cycle. So we'll use, we'll apply um, the tactics you would normally apply to like follicular, ovulatory, luteal to the lunar cycle. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I didn't expect it to go there. <laughs> I didn't expect the moon to be involved. <laughs> I'm very excited. Uh-huh. Um, so that kind of leads me into um, another question that I had for you of like women who don't have periods or who are on birth control and their birth control either, you know, prevents their period or what have you, they don't understand like when their cycle is, how can they start to understand where they are in their cycle and how can they start to understand like how this applies to them? Uh, well, with their, those are kind of different being on the pill and not having a period. Um, right. Like not- so let's go more like being on the pill. Like what if they're on the pill, don't know their cycle. So being on the pill, the oral contraceptive, depending on which one it, they will flatline your own hormones and you, you, so you aren't ovulating. You're not really making your own estrogen or progesterone. And the bleed that you get is called a withdrawal bleed. And most women on the pill know that they can just continue to take, like skip the sugar pills or that withdrawal week and just not have a period period in quotations, not have a withdrawal, withdrawal bleed. So applying the the information that I'm discussing here is not very applicable when you're on the pill, unfortunately, because because it changes your hormones so much. Yeah. Like you're not getting those fluctuations and it's not, I know it's often used as a treatment for female health issues, but it's not, it's not a treatment at all. It's not those issues you're having are just going to come back when you're off the pill and probably with a vengeance yeah and I mean that's another like a pretty big topic but a lot of of us have been on the pill for 10 plus years and Mm -hmm. then we come off and we're like why 
aren't my hormones regulated? Like I went on this to regulate my hormones, but it's not regulating anything. It's flatlining them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so, I mean, you can, you, again, you could use because it does give you like 28 days, a 28 day cycle. So, I mean, you can apply this along with the pill pattern, but it's not going to be quite the same. Got it. So you said the pill kind of flatlines the hormones. Yeah. Um, so would they see like any of those like regular patterns or is it just pretty much all muted? It's pretty much all muted. Like it stops. So a really critical thing for maintaining the normal hormone rhythms is ovulation. We don't make progesterone unless we ovulate and the pill prevents ovulation. Like that's, you know, that's how it's working. You don't want to have a baby. And so we are stopping ovulation. We're not making progesterone and you're giving your body synthetic hormones, which are the estrogen especially is fairly similar to our to the estrogen that we make and so our body can see that and be like well then we don't need to make as much estrogen right yeah um and then like i mentioned if you're not ovulating you're not making progesterone and there is progestin in the pill which is not the same as our own progesterone and and when you look at the chemical structure of progestins they're actually more similar to testosterone than Hmm. progesterone um i based on what I've read, the progestins in the oral contraceptive and even like Marina IUD or hormonal IUDs, that is the most detrimental part of, of being on a hormonal contraceptive is the progestins because our body then isn't making progesterone and progesterone is such a critical hormone for, for many things, not just a period, not just ovulation, but a lot of um, like, it's very anxiolytic, which means it decreases anxiety. And I mean, anxiety is something I see a lot in my female patients, especially ones that have an IUD, um, a hormonal IUD, or are on the pill. And it's not, you know, these symptoms don't necessarily present themselves immediately, but they can build up over time as your own progesterone becomes depleted. Right. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about in our last episode too, you were talking about how important progesterone is um, with stress. Yeah. So um, that progesterone steel, I think I talked about last time. Yeah. 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 Do you want to briefly touch on that again, just in case people didn't catch that in the last episode? Yes. So our bodies can make cortisol, which is stress hormone from progesterone. And so if we are really stressed, our body's going to do that. It's not going to prioritize being fertile. It's going to prioritize making cortisol and getting through whatever we need to get through. Mm-hmm. So if you're on the pill and you're stressed, yeah, no progesterone. <laughs> yeah. Then it's a really bad combination. Yeah. Got it. Fascinating. So what kind of, we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit here. Um, and I know this is probably quite the rabbit hole, so we can just kind of take it, um, surface level a little bit here, but do you have any like advice for women regarding birth control? So are there any that are a little kinder hormonally? Are there any that you would recommend? I know that a lot of women, like you said, have been on birth control for, you know, Mm -hmm. 10, 20 years. Um, 
Do you have any advice? Yeah, I think it's really important to know the nutrients that are being depleted with being on either oral contraceptive or having an IUD. So B vitamins specifically, very depleted. Um, and these are also used to make cortisol, <laughs> specifically vitamin B6 and B5, but all of them. So as long as you're on the pill or have an IUD, you need to be supplementing with a bioactive B complex. Magnesium is another one that's depleted. Um, I would say, yeah, I don't think it's quite as, as depleted as B vitamins, but another thing you should be supplementing if you are on the pill. Um, and another nutrient that is depleted with stress as well. So mm-hmm. for sure, get those nutrients in you as long as you are on the pill or have an IUD. Um, what else? I, th- I think it's really important to know, to be educated in the side effects of them. So I mentioned the anxiety, depression. Also, your libido is lowered <laughs> being on the pill. Mm-hmm. And again, like most of us are, not most of us, but some of us are using these as a birth control method and Mm -hmm. that's fine I think you are in control of your body and you should be able to control your fertility Um, but just being aware of what it's going to do to your hormones and that it's going (laughs) to drop your sex drive absolutely like informed consent right Mm -hmm. like we want women to understand the choice that we're making as opposed to I feel like the pill and these birth control methods have just been presented to us as like oh look a solution to your problem yeah and that's it and it hasn't been okay here is an option that you have here are the pros here are the cons here's how it could adversely affect you and lowering your libido like that is a huge thing of like a lot of women are taking birth control or using whatever form of birth control because they're having sex and they don't want to get pregnant Mm -hmm. And they want to keep having sex that they like, not have a lowered libido that makes them not want to have sex now that they can't have, can't get pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's not. So it's a very relevant side effect. (laughs) It is. I think it's, I think it's very relevant. And, and I just, so I think they need, as females, we need to be educated on all of the options and make the best decision for us. And maybe the best decision is being on birth control pill or getting an IUD. And that is completely respectable if that's the right decision for you but for a lot of women they don't want to be on the pill they don't want to have an IUD but it's the only options they've been presented with exactly Mm -hmm. exactly I think just being able to actually make our choice and not just be told well this is the probably the best solution for you Mm -hmm. I I can't it blows my mind how many patients so female patients that I've had who are done having kids um, and they're still on the pill or they have an IUD because their husbands don't want to get a vasectomy. I'm like, what? Like, this is such an easy in and out procedure. <laughs> like, your husband won't do that, but he expects you to be messing up your hormones so you don't have any more kids. Like, tell him to get a vasectomy. <laughs> <laughs> Go home, tell that man yeah. to schedule his appointment. <laughs> Yeah, but that, I mean, again, like another topic, but that's just largely how our society works is, you know, women have to do this, 
men know we cannot mess up your and it doesn't even mess up their hormones like it does not very little side effects with this <laughs> and such a simple procedure <laughs> like nothing bad mm-hmm. is going to happen like very slim chance <laughs> of something bad happening yet we're making women do this we're like mm-hmm. you know putting that expectation on women yeah and I think it's it's so cultural too like culturally for so long pregnancy has been seen as like a woman concern of like oh the woman gets pregnant so we're finding these solutions that put the burden on the woman when really like the solution might be a lot more accessible if we looked at yeah and we have developed male birth control but it's never gone to market because males don't want the side effects like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I just talked about some pretty big side effects, but we're okay. It's okay for women to have those side effects, but not men. Yeah. And it's just become so accepted of like, I mean, and isn't it just so like, it mirrors so well to just like the, the female, like, oh, it's fine. I'll do it. It's cool. <laughs> like, I'll do it. Yeah. Not so right. Like, no, we don't have to do it. No. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so crazy. And in birth control, you're right, is like this whole other rabbit hole. Um, but I just want to like reiterate again for our listeners to like whatever decision is best for you, like yeah. rock and roll. Yeah. Let's Nobody go. Is our biggest thing you. is just right. Like we want you to do what is working best mm-hmm. for you. We just want you to have all the resources to decide yeah. what that really is for you. And if it could be something alternative to what you're currently doing, then there's more information out there. Yeah. And vasectomies are a thing. Vasectomies are a thing. And also females are only fertile for 24 to 48 hours in a month. So the fact that we're given this <laughs> burden of birth control is Right. Also- that affects us 365 days mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Fun fact. Um, my parents were going to be done having kids after two. Mm-hmm. I'm number four, oh. by the way, if that gives you a reference point. So they were going to be done after number two. And if my memory serves me correctly, my dad had his vasectomy scheduled, but he got scared and canceled it. And I don't think he had told my mom. <laughs> she thought he had it done. Well, I don't know. Like, cause she thought he had it done, but like, I don't know. They got pregnant and that was number three. And then I was really a surprise. Oh, fun. But fun fact, he got scared, backed out in that window between him backing out and actually getting it done. My brother was conceived. So, which is great. I love my brother. He's very cool. (laughs) (laughs) And the world wouldn't have you either. And the world wouldn't have me. So I'm glad my dad chickened out the first time. Good job, dad. (laughs) Although I was also very much an accident. I don't, like, now that I'm telling the story, the details aren't lining up. Maybe I am the vasectomy scaredy cat child Mm -hmm. and not my brother. Because I feel like if that happens to you once, you don't make that mistake again right yes but he could have had because you are I don't remember how long you have to wait like post vasectomy but there is a period of time you have to wait because you still are fertile so maybe that's what happened I'll ask I'll find out everyone don't worry (laughs) we will get to the bottom of my dad's vasectomy (laughs) I'm talking about this still why did I bring this up okay (laughs) we can stop talking about my parents sex life now okay and move on. <laughs> um, okay. So 
diving back into kind of like female athletes and working with females, are there any like common concerns that you help your patients with most often? So like common ailments, common concerns, anything that's most typical? For female athletes, I would say amenorrhea or even dysmenorrhea. So as I mentioned, amenorrhea, when you're not having a period at all, dysmenorrhea, when it's very irregular. So maybe it's, it comes monthly for a period of time and then it's like three months and you don't have one. Those are the two most common conditions I see with my female athletes um, and mm-hmm. fairly easy to treat. Sometimes we'll do hormone testing to see what's going on. Sometimes we don't. And I just, you know, give them my little naturopathic remedies um, and get them their period back. And often they have been told by their family doctor to stop training or eat more and mostly stop training, which obviously like that's not an option for them. That's not what they want to do. And you don't have to stop training. But you do, you do need the nutrients that are required for ovulation and building that lining. You do need to be um, eating enough calories, enough of the, the right macronutrients, and that can change over the course of the month. Um, another, I haven't mentioned this, but I'm just thinking of it now. Um, during your luteal phase, your metabolism increases, and that's... So you do need more calories at that time, and you should not be trying to put yourself in a caloric deficit during your luteal phase. Your hormones will backfire on you. And I see that being a root cause of a lot of of issues. So even for some of my female athlete patients who have a regular cycle, but they're trying to lose weight, maybe they're in a weight class sport or whatever it is, and they're unable to. And often it's because they're trying to put themselves in a caloric deficit during their luteal phase. You can do it during your follicular phase and during ovulation, obviously not like a severe caloric deficit, but when you try to do it in the luteal phase, bad things happen. And knowing that being like empowered with that knowledge, you recognize it's going to take you a lot longer to get to the body composition you want to get to compared Mm -hmm. to males. Um, And just to be patient with yourself and, it's normal to gain a pound or two during your luteal phase. Again, like there's more to it, but that's mostly water weight and like holding on, holding on to fluid. So if you are the same weight during that period of time, it's, it's like you've lost one or two pounds. That's a good thing. There you Mm -hmm. go. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's super interesting. And I think super important. Like I didn't know that. And I think so many women run into that is an issue where, I mean, so many women are in that wanting to lose weight mindset. And so they do put themselves in like, honestly, way too severe of a caloric deficit in the first place. Mm -hmm. But then compounding that with what you just said about the luteal phase of like, your body's really now going to freak out. Like your body really doesn't like what you're doing to it. Yeah. When you're trying to, yeah, restrict your eating and so much. And it's so, I think so much harder as well. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. But yeah, it's so much harder yeah. during your luteal phase, like from a mindset perspective, because you are, yeah. like, your hormones are making you more hungry. Like your hormones right, are, you are to hungry. accommodate for that metabolism increase. And so if we're not trying to lose weight and we're just like listening to our bodies, usually we will accommodate for like we'll eat 
two to 300 calories more during our, our luteal phase, which is all you need. It's not like a ton, but mm-hmm. we'll just do that subconsciously. But if you're tr- tracking your calories and counting your macros and you're not, you're not adding two or 300 calories during your luteal phase, you're not really educated to do that. And so you're like, why was this so much easier at this, <laughs> like at the beginning of yeah, the why month? Yeah, was it so much easier a week and a half ago? To do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I guess what my, my I guess what my brain is wondering now is say you are in a caloric deficit um, when you're not in your luteal phase, but then you do add in that two to 300 extra difference that you normally would. Are you then technically still in a caloric deficit because you're like your baseline of what you need is already exactly under? Yeah. Cause we, yeah. I mean, usually the numbers that you're given are based on your basal metabolic rate Um, Mm -hmm. and so that basal metabolic rate is different in the first half of your cycle versus the second half of your cycle. Of course, you need to change those numbers for you and your activity level. Um, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to consider, you know, yeah, there is. So even with the increase, you'd still actually be in a deficit, even though you don't think you're in a deficit. Yes. Fabulous. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That was very useful. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll be directly used in my life. (laughs) So um, let's circle back a little bit to when you were implementing some of the stuff that you were learning on your own personal training. Can you talk a little bit about how your knowledge impacted your own personal workouts, your own personal performance? Uh, Well, I definitely felt a lot stronger consistently. Mm-hmm. So the things I implemented, because as I mentioned, I was eating ketogenic. So then I was like coming off of that. I still like, I love eating higher fat and I wouldn't, I don't necessarily like calling it, you know, what I did because it wasn't the classical super low protein, super low carbs and very high fat. It was like decent amount of fat, high protein. And then my carbs were, like just high enough to keep me in ketosis, but fuel my workouts. Mm -hmm. They didn't, they weren't high enough to fuel my hormone making though. (laughs) So (laughs) what I was experimenting with was increasing my carbohydrates at different points of, of the cycle. So I mentioned during the luteal phase, you need two to 300 extra calories. Those should ideally come from carbs because our insulin sensitivity is different Amazing. You just made so many women so happy. (laughs) Yes. Carbs for the win. Carbs Uh, for the win. Yeah. So that's what I did. And I also, I would typically train, I'm trying to remember like five or six days a week, two hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would like three when incorporating warm up and, and cool down. And so I just toned that down a little bit during my luteal phase. Um, Still like probably at least four days a week, maybe not for a full two hours every time though. And then being, being self-employed, I'm very much in charge of my work schedule. And like if I'm scheduling things, so I would try to schedule, if I'm doing like a talk somewhere, I would try to schedule that during ovulation Um, that's usually when we're a lot more social and doing something like that is, is energizing for us. It's not super draining and 
some of us may notice that like sometimes we'll go to a social event and it's so fun and we feel energized and other times we go to a social event and it's just like completely draining. And usually that is depending on our cycle. It's not, yes, our personality plays into that, but um, yeah, often we're a lot more social during our, during our ovulation. That's so cool. It's so interesting for you to say that because I think that's so something that I've noticed just observing in my own life like some weeks I'm like man I am not enjoying like talking and being like because I mean I coach almost every single day right Mm -hmm. I coach in the gym and some days I'm like digging it so much fun it's exciting it's energizing and then sometimes there will be a week where I'm like man that's just very hard for me to like rustle up the energy to do that so it's so interesting that it yeah, makes sense in relation to my cycle. Yes. And again, Super that's cool. not to say you shouldn't coach during your luteal phase. Right. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll keep coaching. A, not an option for you. But yeah. then the other things in your life that you can control make those more driving with your luteal yeah. phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just started implementing all of those. I actually um, as I mentioned, I wasn't, I didn't even have a period. And then, so I just did my, all my tricks to get my period back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was having a period, but I wasn't ovulating. Mm. So I had to work a little bit harder to ovulate and ovulation. There's, there's a few different things that you can monitor to make sure that you are ovulating. One of the, um, easiest is doing taking your basal body temperature every morning so your core temperature will rise again like with your metabolic rate during the luteal phase so that your temperature will rise after ovulation so you can't you don't necessarily know when you're ovulating by taking your temperature every day until you've already ovulated but that's um what I was monitoring on myself and like noticing that I wasn't ovulating so got myself to ovulate and then started implementing these tactics more, more specifically, because you don't really, if you're not ovulating, then you aren't making progesterone, you're not getting the metabolic increase your or, and then the temperature increase, which is super important. If you're trying to implement these things, you need to know when you're ovulating. Like if you're going to be increasing your calories by two or 300 during your luteal phase, you need to know that you're actually having a luteal phase. Right. Otherwise you could, you know, you're increasing that caloric uh, consumption, but your metabolism isn't actually faster. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are the changes I did. Those, that's what I noticed just being stronger, um, better. I don't usually struggle with energy, but you know, there's times if I'm doing way too much during my luteal phase, like coaching, scheduling a talk somewhere, trying to work out five or six days in the week for two to three hours at a time. Like that's just too much um, for me at that time. So I'm just scheduling my life around my hormones as much as I can. Right. Um, Yeah. Just made everything a little, a little bit better. And I wouldn't say anything was super, super drastic, but it can be for some women. And again, just having the knowledge, like I'm feeling this way because of this. Right. I think the knowledge is really the kicker there, like Mm -hmm. understanding. And it reminds me of like, my friend just had a baby and her baby is five weeks old and she 
very exciting. Shout out Megan. Um, but she came to see me and I got to like meet the baby. And she was telling me though about this app that she has that is helpful for her. And it tells her about different like growth phases that her baby is in. Mm -hmm. And so it helps her anticipate like, all right, around this time, baby is starting to develop these things. And you might notice that they're more fussy or not sleeping as well or not eating as well or hungrier or all these different things that it's kind of telling you to anticipate. Mm -hmm. And it's been so helpful for her just like mentally with the baby of knowing like, okay, we're in like a nice stretch of like calm few days. And in a few days, she's probably going to start showing me these things. She's probably going to be more difficult in a couple yeah. days. I've and probably the Wonder Weeks app. I have it too. And it does help a lot. It just makes you a lot more patient as a parent. And you, for sure, you can be the same with yourself. Like having the knowledge of what you're going through just allows you to be more patient with yourself and more understanding. Precisely. Yes, I think it is the Wonder Weeks app. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super cool. It blew my mind. I was like, well, that's nice. <laughs> I know. Sometimes technology works in our favor. (laughs) It does. It does. Um, So yeah, just having exactly that knowledge about yourself and just having, you know, an idea of what to anticipate and giving you some, some expectations can be helpful. Just Mm -hmm. knowledge is good. Knowledge is good. I like it. All right. One other thing I wanted to ask you before we kind of switch gears, um, you talked about increasing by two to 300 calories and that should mostly come from carbs. Mm -hmm. Um, and I joked that everyone is thrilled because we all love carbs. Um, but can you tell us specifically where you would get your additional carbs from primarily personally? Um, more of a, like, like sweet potatoes or something fibrous, but starchy. Yeah. That's going to sustain. So the, our estrogen is linked to insulin sensitivity. So we have, we're a lot more insulin sensitive during the follicular menstrual and follicular and ovulatory phases because our estrogen is higher at that time. When estrogen drops in the luteal phase, we're not as insulin sensitive. So insulin sensitivity, um, the ability of insulin to kind of, kind of regulate where the sugar in our bloodstream is going. So we need to have a more like sustainable carb um, throughout the day during our luteal phase, just to maintain our blood sugar levels. And Mm -hmm. typically if you do that, you're not going to get crazy cravings for highly palatable foods like chips and cookies. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, like having that knowledge, like knowing I'm going to have an extra sweet potato today and maybe you don't eat it all at once, but like have it throughout the day or a regular potato or rice. Um, those are, those are my recommendations. Like root vegetables are a good option because they have a lot of nutrients in them. So you're getting more bang for your buck than something mm-hmm. like a bagel. Yes. Perfect. Cool. That's kind of what I wanted to touch on just so we're kind of covering that base of like, yes, you need more carbs, but your type of carbs still do matter. And yeah, high fiber carbs are going to make you feel a heck of a lot better than just adding in like yeah, a, not sugar, yeah. <laughs> right? Not sugar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Enjoyed sparingly, but not your additional two to 300 calories for your entire luteal phase every day. Probably not a good idea. Well, and I mean, you'll two to 300 calories isn't actually that much. So if you're 
using like a cookie for that you're not going to feel great and then right want more cookies yeah (laughs) you're gonna wipe those calories out fast and you're not gonna have sustained energy anyway so yeah yeah (laughs) but by all means have cookies sometimes guys we're not saying you can't have cookies nothing against cookies over here nothing against those (laughs) okay cool so before we move on to the last couple questions is there anything else that you want to touch on um, in regards to the female athlete and female performance and anything that you want to reiterate um, for our listeners? Um, I could talk about this all day, but <laughs> I think we covered the important things. Mm-hmm. I think one thing I will add in, and just this is, I'm just thinking of it because I'm in the middle of this right now. So with pregnancy, you're, it's kind of like a really long luteal phase like your progesterone is is pretty high well all your hormones are high with with pregnancy but um just if you are to implement some of the cycle information that you learn when you're just having like a regular menstrual cycle it's like just one long luteal phase postpartum it's like one long follicular phase where you're and follicular like more like your hormones drop pretty significantly after you have the baby some of them like some of them are just different but you can apply this knowledge with pregnancy and postpartum as well that's great Mm -hmm. which I feel like could probably be a whole other episode definitely (laughs) perhaps (laughs) great cool all right well before we move on completely I just want to remind our listeners about your 12-week program where they can really deep dive into all this stuff yes um, is that something that runs continuously? Like they can dive into that and they work through it on their own, or is it something that runs on a schedule and they work through it with you? Right now it's live. So, well, not currently. So we've, right. my colleague, Dr. Brianna Botsford and I have, we've ran one 12 week cycle. It went really, really well. We're going to run another one starting end of November Awesome. after that. So we are going to record it all. And so after we run it again, um, then it will be available just for purchase Start whenever you want. That being said, yes, we do like a, a live kind of chat lesson, whatever you want to call it every week, but we record them. So if you're unable to make it, then you just watch the video when you can. That's great. And you guys Mm -hmm. are running that end of November. Yeah. Perfect. Um, have the signups already opened for that? Uh, nope, not yet. So usually what we'll do is have the interested people schedule, um, like an information call with one of us just to make sure that it's, it's right for you. Like I mentioned, it's hard to implement some of this information if you don't have a regular healthy cycle. And so we just want to make sure that the women that are signing up for this have that in place first. Perfect. Um, That makes sense. You want to make sure that they're going to get value out of it and they're not just signing up for something that they're going to feel like they wasted their time. Yes, exactly. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. So that's kind of step one. If people are interested in doing that is to reach out to you and get an information call and then they can determine from there whether or not. If it's right for them and if they want to sign up or if they should wait. Wonderful. And is all of that virtual? Yes. Wonderful. So anywhere you're living you can do this. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. All righty. So now we'll kind of switch gears. Uh-huh. Um, I know that I've already had you on. So I've asked you these two questions, but I'm going to ask you again <laughs> because they went so, so great last time. It was so fun. Um, so last time you told us about your car attack, 
um, is one of my new favorite terms. But um, can you tell us about another time or event in your life that was particularly empowering for you? Yes, this one is not as entertaining as the car attack. (laughs) But uh, this is about a year ago, I guess. Um, One of my coworkers, this is just like work work drama, but one of my coworkers, also a naturopathic doctor, been in practice 10 years longer than I have, um, was saying things to our admin staff that were not true about me, about my like actual like needling technique and whatever. And I heard about it from all of the, all three of our receptionists at the time. Yeah. And so I think like, I hate confrontation. I don't like arguing with people. And in the past, I very much just let things like that go and ignore them, like kind of move on because I'd rather do that than, than confront and cause an argument or whatever but I was like no like this is not okay like these things are not true this is affecting my practice and so I just pulled him aside and talked to him directly like called him out on his shit and was like like this is what you're saying it's not okay it's not true like what the heck kind of thing and it was it was scary but I did it and I felt so good after I felt so empowered um and especially because in the business world like and I'm sure you've talked about this many times on your podcast like if we're being as females if we're being like strong and firm we get this idea like oh she's such a bitch but it's not you know that no part of me in that moment felt like I was being a bitch I was being strong and standing up for myself Mm -hmm. and it just bugged me that like if the roles were reversed I would have been like called different names or been like being a woman, like talking bad about someone behind their back, but not talking, saying things to my, to my face. And that was one thing I, I said to him, I'm like, if you have something to tell me about my practice or like, if I'm, you know, I've only been doing this at that time, I'd been in practice three years. So I'm like, I want to learn from you. If I'm doing something like, tell me so I can learn from it. Right. Talk shit about me behind my back. Yeah. So yeah, so that was that was a really empowering experience. Mm-hmm. And how did that confrontation go? You know, it didn't go great. <laughs> the, the response was, I didn't say that. I'm like, well, I mean, three uh, people have to, you know, like, okay, I don't know the words you said. I'm not going to, like, put words in your mouth. But this is the impression, then, that you're giving our staff. And right. this isn't okay. Like, you need to fix this. Mm-hmm. And so there was an apology. I don't know how sincere it was, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, hard to tell. Um, I think that's so true though. I think it's really like confrontation is it's hard, but it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you have to go through it. You can't go around it. And like on the other side is like so much release, if you will. Like if you like confront things head on, talk to the person, like that's the only way to like, get to the other side effectively yeah and then, of course there's other options you know I could have spoke to the clinic owner or right. like this that's not dealing with it directly like I right. want to just go to the source talk mm-hmm. to that person and I would say that's very much what I do now and it's 
it's awesome. Like it's such a great way to solve problems, just talking directly to the source. Yep. And (laughs) it is empowering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does make you feel like, it does make you feel like I can communicate like my thoughts and say what I need to say. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Yeah. And sometimes it is really just like misunderstandings. In that case, it wasn't, but often, often it is like we're hearing these things and it's like, no, that person didn't actually say that. Or like that's, they said that, but that's not what they meant. Right. There wasn't the context. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like it. Mm -hmm. Good job. Good on you. Thanks. (laughs) It also makes me think of Taylor Swift's song, The Man. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When that, that when that song first came out, it didn't like really resonate with me. I was just like, okay, Taylor. But now I'm like, <laughs> hey, Tay, settle down. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, it strikes a chord. I'm like, let's go. It's so true. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Now we'll shift gears a little bit again. Um, so last time you shared your mantra uh, that you personally live by, which is be the change you wish to see in the world, mm-hmm. which led us to talk about my led us to talk about my mascara, which update everyone. I love my mascara now. Fear not. It's good. Um, but is there another, any other mantras or slivers of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, yes, I, I guess something that I I use and, and tell myself or ask myself when I'm struggling with whatever is what can I learn from this? And so any sort of situation that I am maybe like feeling sorry for myself or, or whatever, I'm like, what, like, what's the lesson here? And a story to go with this is I recently fractured my radius, which is like part of kind of part of the elbow wasn't an interarticular joint. So it was a stable fracture, not the end of the world, but that was something I asked myself, I'm like, what is the lesson for me to learn here? And I have a three and a half month old baby. Having a broken arm with a baby is not ideal. Having a broken arm anytime is not ideal, but especially when you have a baby to take care of. And the lesson, the lesson I needed to learn at that, well, and like still, I mean, I'm only I still have three weeks of healing to go. So it's not like it's healed. You're, yet, you but are actively learning this lesson. <laughs> I'm actively learning this lesson is to not be afraid to ask for help. Like I hate asking for help. I hate it. I want to just like do everything myself. Like I can do it. I don't need you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in that, in that instance, in this instance, I have to ask help when Mm -hmm. I the first few days I had to wake up my husband every single time in the night to feed the baby because I couldn't pick him up and I couldn't nurse him on that side and I hated doing it but it you know I had to like lean into this discomfort and it's not like he made me feel bad at any point he's like yeah like you can always ask me for help like you don't need to feel bad about it Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a lesson I needed to learn slash I'm still learning (laughs) But that's something I ask myself when I'm going through. It doesn't even need to be something hard, but just, you know, life. Like what, what is the lesson to learn here? What can I learn Mm -hmm. from this? I love that. That's good. I feel like being like a strong entrepreneurial independent woman, that's like definitely the kind of lesson you have to break your arm to learn, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It can be really hard. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> She'll learn to do that. Um, how did you break your arm? Uh, I, well, I, I bike to work. So I was just biking uh, to yeah. work and I, it's a road bike doesn't do well on gravel and it mm-hmm. was a gravel patch I just like braked really hard and my wheels kind of like slid out bummer yeah it didn't actually hurt that much but oh. the, <laughs> I bike so I work with some chiropractors so I continued to bike to work and like wow my elbow hurts and I got, <laughs> got to the clinic I'm like hey like, went to one of my coworkers and like will you adjust my arm I think I subluxed my radial head <laughs> And so he adjusted my arm, like yanked on it so hard. And I thought I was going to pass out. I was like, oh, whoa, I, like, I feel nauseous all of a sudden. Oh, my God. Like, I didn't know. I had no idea it was broken. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I need to sit down. <laughs> and, then, and then I got an x-ray the next day and it was fractured. So nice. that explains why that hurt so much. That would explain why having your broken arm adjusted was painful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> That's great. Oh my goodness. All righty. Well, before we wrap up, um, can you tell our listeners how they can find you, how they can reach out if they're interested in doing the 12 week course, big one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How can they find you? Um, well, yeah, same as last time. Instagram is the best way. That's where I'm most active and that's where I'm going to be posting kind of more information about the the 12 week program, the hormone performance connection is what it's called. Cool. <laughs> very, very self-explanatory title. There. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's where I would say to, to go. So my handle is Dr. Mandy underscore ND naturopathic doctor. Lovely. Perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes as well so that people have it. Um, so yeah. And then for our listeners, hit us with questions. If you have them, you can comment on the post on Instagram. You can direct message us. You can reach out directly to Mandy. All of the above are fantastic options. Um, But yeah, let us know what questions you have about any and all of the above content in today's episode. (laughs) Yay. So thank you, Mandy, so much for coming back on the show. This was super cool. Mm -hmm. I I have 800 more questions for you, though. (laughs) I have 800 more questions for myself. I'm always learning. Amazing. I love it. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And to our listeners, thank you for hanging out with us. We hope you have an amazing day. We will talk to you later. Bye. Perfect. Oh, I really do feel like I have like 800 more questions for you.